You're listening to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Gerard with space. He'll take towards Barosh. He's been tipped through it. The goalkeeper made contact. Luis Garcia was in front of the line. Gallas hooked it away. transfer window will have slammed shut by the time you're listening to us but there's plenty of action for us to cover tonight with a little under uh, 24 hours left in the window the Premier League season is going to kick off Friday afternoon we're going to talk about those transfers first and then jump into our previews of this weekend's first round of games I'm Alex Andrew is uh, off tonight Uh, he had to work so uh I'm bringing in uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Javier. He's returned to the podcast, and uh, welcome back, man. How are you? Very generous. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. How was the World Cup? It was a 30-second uh, sum-up of the World Cup. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, we want to go back to Russia someday. It was amazing to be uh, with, with you know, 30,000, 40,000 Peruvians uh, in, this, in the same cities and stadiums, and it was an amazing experience. If you If you ever... Have the chance to go to a World Cup, you know. We're gonna have the chance eight years from now. Javier. Definitely do it because it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and and uh, I'll definitely go to that one in eight years. And you know, I'm definitely gonna try to go to future ones because it's a it's a really great experience. But we all knew it was a really like special World Cup, uh, even from here, sitting at home watching on TV. So uh, I'm sure being there for it was a great experience. I, I will say though that. Um, Watching the world champions was pretty awesome too. Yeah, you did see France. That's true. You did see uh, Kylian Mbappe per- score. Peru set a record. You did see N'Golo dominate the entire field. Yeah, it was, it was cover pretty, every braid. Pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what I will say about you wanting to go back there is, I'm sure it would be much less uh, charming without the World Cup to. Uh, sort I'm of sure I've thought about that. Tint too. the yeah. roads glasses a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I do want to start off tonight, before we jump into the actual football, just by uh, making an announcement to everyone who listens to the pod. You guys are all pretty familiar with Javier. He was jumping on the pod every now and then for the first year or so that Andrew and I started recording. And obviously he was uh, ready and waiting to jump in and uh, help out when Andrew had to step aside for a couple months. But we decided uh, we wanted to invite Javier to become a permanent member and host of the pod. It's not just going to be two anymore. It's going to be a threesome. Yeah, yeah, that'll, we're, be, that'll uh, be fun. Javier is obviously accepted. That's why he's obviously here. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like or do we have to like discuss changing the name because it's an Ars- It's like a like Chelsea Liverpool related oh, name. Wow. Like and now we've yeah, got an Arsenal the, thing. Yeah, the announcements too, and so you know the, the beginning song. It's all you know, you know Chelsea. What, you know and, what? And yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you can think of a few Thierry Henry highlights to send right. to us for, uh, to be added to. <laughs> nah, nah, I mean, we actually, we are in the process of coming up with a, a new intro song. Andrew's going to work on that for us. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Come yeah, up I'm with sure there's, uh, there's some good ones out there I can find. But yeah, Javier, welcome to the pod. Uh, it Thank doesn't you. really change that much. I think Andrew joked about it a few weeks ago. Right. And 
you know, all of a sudden we were just like, yeah, we should actually have Javier be on uh, permanently. So, uh, yeah, expect to hear from uh, me and Javier probably most uh, midweek uh, pods that we're doing like Wednesdays or Thursdays, looking ahead and previewing like the weekend games. And then uh, maybe the three of us or just uh, two of us, uh, Andrew will come back on Sunday evenings to sort of talk about what happened uh, over the weekend's action. And if there's a Monday game at times, then fuck it. <laughs> we uh, we missed be, the Monday game, okay? Yeah. There's going to be more pods coming in, you know. Yeah, with we, more of us there, we, so. I think we went from largely once a week last year. We might step it up to might step, like step it up to two, yeah, two, or yeah. one point five. Yeah, so plenty of content coming your way. And that is an omen for tonight's pod. I thought it was just going to be a nice in and out preview of the weekend's games, but over the last two days, uh, Chelsea, my uh, my my favorite club, have obviously come alive in the transfer market. I want to talk about. Courtois leaving first. Um, you go straight into Chelsea. Yeah, we go straight into Chelsea. We go straight into the the transfers. Okay. We'll talk about the fantasy league and some stuff a little bit at the end. Plug that. I think we need we want a couple more people signed up for that. But for now, let's jump into the transfer window. Uh, there's obviously a few different transfers related to Chelsea that can be talked about. The Courtois one I want to start with, though. He, it was announced today, officially, he's being sold to Real Madrid for around like thirty five million uh, pounds. I think is the rumored fee, maybe thirty. Yeah. Uh, plus. Uh, Mateo Kovacic, the Croatian midfielder, will be coming to Chelsea on a one-year loan. And it's kind of like hazy or unclear as to whether there's an option to buy at the end of that. But most people seem to be uh, agreeing that there isn't, which is kind of concerning as a Chelsea fan. Like, you'd want to maybe have an option to sign a a player with his quality at the end of hopefully a successful season. Uh, But I want to focus on Thibaut Courtois because there's been a lot of negative uh, rhetoric going around from Chelsea fans about him. and Yeah, a lot of salty Chelsea fans saying, oh, he's he needed to leave anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Like He yeah. wasn't that good anyway. He had a bad season with us. You saw the which, mistakes he made. Which I, I don't think, I, even when it was unclear whether he was going to re-sign or not, I still accepted his faults and he just sort of said he's a world-class keeper. Or like on his day, he can be a world-class keeper. He can be one of the... He was, he was really good in the World Cup. Really good in the World Cup. Uh, really good the two years we won the league when he was right. when he was our keeper. He was, he was excellent, but... I mean, when you he look does, at his body of work, he's still a top five keeper in the world. I, on his day, I'd say he's like top two. Like he's up there with uh, David De Gea when he's at his Calm down. Best. No, Calm when he's down. at his best. Like... You can't deny he that. He hasn't he's, been there for a while, but... It, no, it's been about... It's, it's between it's all black and De Gea. Like, it's, okay. This, this can be said... And then Neuer This can well, be said so. of many a keeper, but... Tebow's he been does, down there. He does need to have some... Buffon as well. There's been, there's been four or five that have been better of, than him. some element of, like, protection from his defense. He's not on David De Gea's level in terms of having... Right, but, like, every keeper needs that. Yeah, that's but, like, that's okay, like, but what's the thing that we sort of say about David De Gea that sets him apart from everyone else is that he's... United's defense has conceded some terrible shots and he's taken them out of some some very bad situations. Courtois is not saving those. He's maybe saving like one of the three that David De Gea would save. So he's got that in him to be like like that, but it has to be like when he's on form and like uh, absolutely at like the peak of his powers. In the two years with Chelsea that the team obviously suffered, he wasn't the one, and neither was Eden Hazard, to be honest. He wasn't the one to really dig us out of that and get us back on track. It's, it, was, it was kind of something, I, it was definitely something I didn't really uh, like about Thibaut because it felt like even if the team was struggling under someone like Sheck, obviously a club legend, the greatest keeper we've ever had, uh, you knew he was always going to be his same excellent self. There were no, gonna, not going to be any gaffes. There were not going to be any like balls through the mid, like his two legs or anything like that. Like That became a pretty consistent thing with Thibaut. 
But he's made it clear for the past two or three seasons, uh, Tebow has, that he wanted to go to Real Madrid. He, if anyone is not familiar with the backstory, he has uh, two young uh, kids who live with his ex-girlfriend in Madrid. I think, I think he uh, met her and was dating her when he was at Atletico Madrid. Uh, so it wasn't an issue then. He obviously moved back to London uh, when Chelsea brought him back. His kids stayed in Madrid with their mom. And he's tried to visit them as much as possible, but I think it's understandable on like a human level to think, okay, that's acceptable for him to want to move back to Madrid, not just for still high-level soccer, if not high, higher level, because he'll be back in the Champions League. Right. But to see be near his kids, like who who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want the the pay raise yeah. and everything? I mean, you can I. It's similar to how many players have left at Arsenal. You you really can't begrudge them that sort of situation. As salty as fans can be, you know, in the few months. Well, here's where the saltiness starts to, to, to start to make sense of it, where he has this clause in his contract, the loyalty bonus, where as long as he doesn't submit a uh, a written formal uh, transfer request into the club, that he will be paid something like ten million pounds or something in that something. That so he just didn't show up to training and so rather than shit rather instead. than turn in the, the transfer request and right. say formally to Chelsea like I have one year left on my deal I'm not going to resign with you I'm going I, I want you to sell me to Real Madrid which is what most players would do he just didn't show up to practice for the two days he was scheduled to come back and he sort of forced Chelsea's hand in, in saying that the club is just sitting there with their number one keeper not showing up and just thinking. Okay, we have to go out and we have to do something about this. We have to go right. get a replacement, uh, which we will talk about in a second, and we have to sell uh, Courtois. So, like, sh- credit to him for doing that. It, it's just very unprofessional, and you know, it, it could have been handled better. And I think on the Chelsea end, they could have handled it better too. When the, and they could have prepared a little bit better for it, perhaps uh, buying someone a few years ago that they could have groomed a little and sent out on on loan during this time, but. It took, caught them by surprise when it's their job to not be caught by surprise for things like this. So uh, they make up for it. Obviously, the the big news of the day is that uh, Chelsea broke their broke their transfer record, broke the uh, record for a uh, the transfer of a goalkeeper for the second time uh, well, so this I summer. This is this is more expensive than Morata's. You broke your transfer record again, didn't you? Uh, yeah, that's what I said. It broke our record. Morata's was like sixty five million or something, and this was seventy one. That's uh, insane. They activated uh, keeper Ariza Balaga. Uh, yeah, no. practice very much. Arizaba Balaga. Arizaba Balaga. Arizaba Balaga. Arizaba Balaga. But you know the Spaniards, the Basque Spaniards, they like to. Arizaba Balaga. Yeah, they do like a, a lisp <laughs> on their Z's. Yeah. yeah. Arizaba Balaga. <laughs> Balaga. Yeah. Arizaba Balaga. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's so gonna be the, you're going to see a lot of commentators and people butcher that this year. Yeah. For many years. But the uh, the tweet I put out when this became official was uh, I learned to make uh, aspilic. Quetta roll off the tongue, I can learn to make Arizabaloga roll off the tongue. It will come with time. But for now, we'll just call him by his uh, very aptly named first name, Kepa. Uh, or Kepa, as I'm sure everyone will default to in England, because they just love saying... Uh, names incorrectly. They just love saying names incorrectly, right. even if something like Fer- Fermin- uh, Firmino is still right. said pretty, pretty often around, even though there's no, there's no I over right. the end. It's Firmino. It's always been Firmino, but the English just refused to do that. Uh, so Chelsea activated his release clause. Uh, he's a young 23-year-old goalkeeper from uh, Atletico Bilbao in uh, Spain. His release clause was around $71 million, which uh, broke the 
previous record of something like $65 million for Alisson that Liverpool paid. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm estimating here. I can't remember all these off the top of my head. Uh, so some are describing it as a panic buy. Some are describing it as mm, making lemonade out of lemons. Uh, what was your reaction to uh, Chelsea sorting out their goalkeeper situation for, uh, for the foreseeable future with such a young, unproven player? I think it definitely was a bit of a panic buy. Um, I'm sure that they did their research, though. Uh, I'm guessing that they've had their eye on this guy for a year or two. Um, a lot of people have. Supposedly, you know, Real had a transfer of twenty million agreed back in January, and he turned them down. Well, yeah, I, I can't believe that they were going to pay twenty million, he, and now they paid seventy one. You know? Well, because right after he turned down Real, he signed an extension for like six years with uh, Athletic, Athletic Bilbao. This. Uh, past past oh, wow. January, that's what you had to with that the much. release clause of seventy one million, and Athletic Bilbao have a uh, policy where they don't negotiate for any of their players; they just set their uh, release clauses like exorbitant prices. And uh, because in Spain you have to have a release clause on every player's contract, and they just say to clubs that are interested in their players, "Listen, he's got a release clause. If you're willing to pay it, pay it. And if he wants to go, he will go to you. But we don't negotiate for players." So. Chelsea just sort of like they were able to convince the player, and it caught all of them by surprise. There, I think Athletic Bilbao are feel, feeling similar feelings towards Ariza Balaga that uh, we are feeling towards Courtois over the last few weeks. So it's it's too bad for them because they have a pretty small pool of Basque players to pick from. Right, and uh, he he's a he's a generational talent for Spain. A lot of people have said that he's the most talented of this young generation of like Sergio Rico and keepers like that from Spain. So uh, I'm excited to see him. I can't pretend and say that I've watched a lot of Athletic Bilbao recently, but I, uh, I trust a lot of the anecdotes I've heard, and uh, I, I trust the Chelsea board to a degree, even though we just messed up the Baranta transfer last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this will this will this will probably be a deal decent or signing. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea if um, you know what his level can be. I know on FIFA, you know, he's a. <laughs> He has high potential, but that was everyone on Reddit, on Reddit but, which but is so like he's many, great potential, right? So many, but like so many keepers do, and and some work out, some don't. But you know, if 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 he's this highly touted, and you guys paid this much money for him, I'm gonna also trust that you guys know what you're doing here. I'm gonna say, you know, he'll probably be a pretty good signing for you. Um, but uh, I'm surprised that Kutuwa went for so little money. I'm wow, surprised. you think thirty five million? Okay, okay. Objectively, yes, that is not a lot for one of the four or five best right, keepers like, in the world. But he was coming into the last year of his deal. He was about to walk away for free next season. Right. Which I was prepared to... Well, I think Chelsea were prepared to just let him walk, too, if he was going to be willing to play this season. But he didn't show up, so you can't expect him to show up for games. Yeah. So, um, to get $35 million and uh, Mateo Kovacic, who I guess we'll uh, talk about now... Uh, I think that's making the best of a bad situation, but I think some blame needs to be leveled at Chelsea for letting themselves get letting themselves get into that bad situation in the first place. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's surprising that it took you guys this long to the end of the window to the last second to last day to get everything sorted. Well, that, I think Kovacic on loan is interesting. If you don't have the option to buy, then I I don't see how much the player is going to be. You know. I mean, he'll definitely be trying to impress, but I don't know how much, like, you guys are going to use him, and then, you know, how, like, 100% how much effort this okay. player puts in. Let me just put it out there. The first thing Sari said when he was commenting about the players that were available to him during preseason 
was that he needed more quality in midfield. They needed more players that were going to be able to uh, be the glue that gels this makeshift version of his system that we're going to see early on and makes the make, makes everything run a bit more smoothly and eases the transition. Obviously, Jorginho is like the, the was the first uh, piece of, uh, the puzzle, piece of yeah. that puzzle and a really, really big one too. Uh, Kante, everyone knows he's one of, if not the best midfielder in the Premier League, uh, the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League at least. He's going to be a huge asset to setting up that uh, that that press that Sari likes and sort of getting interceptions off of the forward players uh, pressing. Kovacic, who else? Who else is a better midfield option that Chelsea has right now? Like, was, w- would Chelsea fans be comfortable going into the season with Ross Barkley? I don't think so. Right. Ruben Loftus Cheek. That's a bit of a gamble. I mean, it, it was a good. It was a good move to patch up uh, some place that you had a place that you had a hole. And now and it's you a know, player who's very risky, hungry to but, prove himself yeah. to his home club too. Right. He's the heir apparent to Luka Modric there, who is himself on the verge of, uh, if not this summer, then next summer, getting a move to Inter Milan, and that looks like pretty likely of happening. Modric's time at Madrid is coming to a, a close earlier than some people thought. So they have his heir apparent, who's played important Champions League games for them in Kovacic, uh, ready. He just wants playing time, which they can't guarantee to him with Cruz uh, and Casemiro and Isco and Modric still there. So they send him out on loan. And, you know, maybe he does uh, have a successful season for us, Modric leaves, and then he goes back to Real, and that wouldn't be great. I, I'll admit that. But... Uh, in the event that he uh, still has a successful season with Chelsea and then elects to s- force a permanent move to Chelsea, I could see that happening too. It's far less likely, but you know there is a scenario where that happens. And finally, uh, the final Chelsea-related transfer is that uh, Timo Bakayoko is on the verge of a uh, one-year loan to AC Milan. With a 30 uh, to 35 million option to buy, it's not really set in stone yet, but that's the stuff that's being rumored. Uh, that's their option to buy next season. As a Chelsea fan, I'm just happy to see him leave. I, I think under Conte, it was going to be like questionable as to whether he was ever he could ever get up to the Chelsea level and develop to that degree. But now playing a different style, far more like passing possessive possessive style, I just it would take a miracle for Bakayoko, a player like Bakayoko, to be able to shape himself into the kind of player that Sari would look kindly upon. So I think to get him out of the club and uh, and so, uh, at least like a big chunk of his initial transfer fee back for him at the end of the year. I think that's as close to a win as you can get with Bakayoko, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it might be a win-win for both teams. Um, you know, that tends to be seen. We'll see how he does in Italy. So Javier wasn't here for our season preview this past weekend, so we put to him the same questions that... Uh, Andrew and I answered. Uh, we did the top four picks, the, our bottom three picks, our pick for Golden Boot, Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, and then we picked one sleeper team that we think is going to surprise people this season and one disappointment that's going to fall off and, as the name says, disappoint people. So, Javier, let's start. What was your uh, top four and reasoning behind it? I have, you know, surprise, surprise, Manchester City winning the league. Yep, very um, rational. Yeah, I mean, I think that Pep has only added to this team now. Um, I think that you guys, when you guys were talking about, you know, the concern of Fernandinho and and that position in the midfield, 
I think that Phil Foden is you know ready to step up into the first team. That that kid is pretty amazing, and they've had they've had they have a really now extensive uh, youth network. Like they've really been establishing it in the last few years, and they've had the pick of the bunch to get from these players. Um, and you know, if players like uh, Jaden Jaden Sancho at uh, Bruce Dortmund, Dortmund yeah. can't make it on that team on the youth team and like I mean, the, he can make it he just refused to sign a, a, another deal with them he was, but he knew you know because be because time. they weren't he wasn't gonna get playing time exactly but I'm saying like if this player if if Pep thinks that you know this player was ready last year but this year's the year he's gonna step up like I believe him because you know he's the type of player that's brought through so many players since his time at Barcelona um, I think that's going to be a position that they're they're, they're not going to have trouble I mean they keep possession so much every game that yeah like they not don't need maybe, a destroyer. They don't really need a destroyer. Like, like they, they have, they, they, I mean, they play their center backs so far up, and like their midfielders play much further up than like it, it's a, it's if they're going to use the same system, and I don't think it's going to be a problem for them. Um, Even if there is a Fernandinho injury, yeah. right? And like having like Bernardo Silva, Mares, Gundogan can kind of step into that. Right, they can. They can, they can probably play some sort of roles in the midfield as well. Um, you know Bernardo Silva. If David Silva goes down, um, and you know I, I think Bernardo Silva could be very good this year. You know if he establishes himself as a first he's, team player, he's in amazing form right now. Going to he tore Chelsea to pieces in the Community Shield. Yeah, he's yeah. it's scary that that's the 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 other option to David Silva. Right. Seeing out the rest of your your yeah. top four, I have Liverpool finishing second, and uh, that's. How close do you think they get? Because they ended last season 25 points behind Man City. Yeah, I think they'll end it maybe like 6 to 8 points behind City this time. I think it'll be much closer. Wow. Um, I think they'll... I think City get to the same level, like 100 points or something, and Liverpool are having back no, in the I season. Think, I think them. it'll be like City 93 and like Liverpool like Mid-80s. 87, yeah. 86. Um, and then I think United will be like 83, 82, like right around there, but never really like pushing for the title, just like kind of always in it. Probably starts well, um, and then I mean, but I think Manchester United. I think that uh, they they're going to finish third, and I think that they have a chance of finishing second um, and like pushing for the title, like you like you mentioned in the last pod. If you know maybe in January, um, and you know maybe tomorrow they'll they'll sign a center back, and then in January they might get um, you know maybe move Martial somewhere and 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 get a winger if possible. Um, so I you know if 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 you know he's not working well at the club. But I think that they should retain him and keep him and try and play him through, you know, this year. And, 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 and you know, I think he's a crucial part of their attack. I think he gives them a different dimension that they don't really have that Rashford doesn't give them, doesn't give the same type of, um, you know. Th- but Alexis both... gives them that. Yes, but I think Alexis is, he can be played, he's in like all different positions and he still works out well, you know, on the right wing or even in the middle. So I think you can play them together. Um, even with Lukaku, uh, I think Mata is, you know, probably coming near the end of his career. Um, at United, at, at least. United, yeah. <laughs> Would be surprised. surprised to see him go back to Spain and right. I'm su- still play well. Yeah, mid thirties there. Uh, yeah, I, then, people seem to be getting really worked up over United, and uh, while, I, while I agree, there's definitely the potential for everything to blow up there and for them to finish outside outside the top four, and it'd be a complete shit show. The the reason for the drop off isn't as apparent for United as it was at Chelsea as it was at Inter or Real in seasons past and past Mourinho stops in his uh, career the the success really hasn't been there there hasn't been the pinnacle of the Jose Mourinho era at United yet 
So there's been no chance for his players to drop off and just sort of drown uh, drown him out and not really listen to him. Exactly, and I think that may that, happen this year, but I'm willing to bet more so that Mourinho galvanizes them for another uh, right for another season. The world season because because I, I also think that he's still taking out the trash. He's still you know taking out Marcus Rojo, Daily Blind, you know these players that were brought in from from previous managers that you know are not good enough, not to snuff at United, and he's slowly upgrading the team. You know, I, I think that they're, he's a smart guy, and he's mentioned before in interviews. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like the person that Mourinho is, but I definitely admire him and respect him. And, like, you know, I watch a lot of his interviews, and, and, and I really respect his thoughts. And um, he's talked about how this market is extremely inflated right now, and especially for someone like United, because City have just been playing, City and PSG have been paying exorbitant fees. So all these teams are just asking ridiculous sums of money from Manchester United for players right now. So, well, I mean, they have partly themselves to blame for that. I understand, and and I agree. They should be they should be paying big more amounts than other teams. But um, I think that maybe he's you know hasn't been able to find the player he wants this window just because of the prices are so high. And maybe you know he's he's counting on another season after this to to make that final push. And if it doesn't work out, then okay, he'll he'll let go. But I think this project at United was was a really big one, and he's only improved the team. They've only gone up, you know. And yeah, they haven't gotten to the heights that, you know, some United fans were accustomed to. But, but the standard of player they've brought in also has just gone up like exponentially right. since ever since the he's Van been Howe there. Boys, exactly. Like bringing in so Fellaini like, and like exactly. Di Maria and Mata were like attempts Depay, at getting back to that, but they, they yeah. weren't the same class of player. Exactly. The same sought after so, level of player. So I, I do have faith in United that they'll do well this year. Uh, and then for my fourth place, I have. This was obviously really close, and you know it's. Obviously oh, was it really team. close? No. From the second Wenger stepped out, you, you're, you and your <laughs> deluded Arsenal fans, you guys all clicked and thought to yourself, "I wonder if we can challenge for the title." <laughs> you're like, Wenger's gone. The sky is the limit. Our players can be amazing yeah, again. I mean, I maybe Wenger have was like, holding us have back like a the whole time. Five percent, five percent chance that we win the title. Okay, how about this? Let's play a game. I think for we're finishing you, above 80 points for, this okay, year. For those of you not familiar, and this is maybe Obviously, I'm picking Arsenal to finish fourth. Pod, Javier is an Arsenal fan. Javier uh, has been plagued by Arsene Wenger for a good few years, and he's been Wenger out for longer than many Arsenal fans I can remember. But what month of this season do you think you actually like lose hope of like any sort of title race? Like what? Because like, usually it's like what for you? It's like November, right? November is when Arsenal fans, like, Arsenal have that first, like, drop-off where someone gets injured, they lose. Oh, it was after, like, the first five games. I was like, we're Last done. year, yeah. Yeah, well, I yeah. was like, we're, we're not winning the league. Like, as soon okay. as I saw, so like, Alexis, the, like, didn't do you anything. Came, you came to the line a little play, sooner. We didn't play Alexis, Lacazette, and Ozil uh, together until, like, Everton, which was, like, seven or eight games in. And then we, and then it was almost January. Like, you know, we were close to Alexis January. We sold Alexis and we barely got to see them play together. And they were brilliant when they played, but Wenger took them so long to play them together. And it, it was just, it was miserable. So, so yeah. what, what, what month of the season, this season, do you think you, uh, you finally lose hope? Um, I think I'll have hope until March or like February. I think oh it'll my start God. really well. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, okay. Honestly, that question was a win-win for me. I was laughing. I was laughing while I said that. That question was a win-win for me because if you answered rationally and said like October and November again, just because like look, no, anyone who isn't City, 
Liverpool or United. Okay, should okay. have I take any that hope back. of the I take league that back. at all. Listen, take, listen, get that and throw it yeah, out. I take that back. I take that back. Okay, I probably won't be till March because our first, I looked at the schedule for the first half of the year. And we actually have a really hard first half of the year, and our second half of the year isn't as difficult. So I think we'll be hovering around like fourth, fifth, sixth for the first half of the year. Um, and then we might do a big push at the end. Uh, we have a lot of our home game, our like big games at from the from the top six at like in the second half of the season. We have a lot of our away games. Um, it's the, the opposite for us. We have a lot of so, home games first half of the season, which sucks because right. we're going to be taking a while to get like up and running. Exactly, but we'll get to us. So, uh, so yeah, and then I have uh, I have Chelsea finishing in fifth and Tottenham in sixth. I think that obviously you guys ended up having, you know, decent window. Uh, obviously, Jorginho is a, is a huge addition, and I agree with you that you know he could be he could be very very good in in sorry system, and he's the the big big piece of the puzzle that you guys needed. Uh, and then getting Kovacic too. I mean, that that's a pretty pretty nice midfield. But I think it's a it's a pretty fragile midfield. And like in the Premier League, the way that you know the way that people go in for tackles, the way that some of these players uh, hit players that are light on their feet, like Jorginho, like um, someone like a Kovacic, who are maybe not used to the physicality of the Premier League. You don't think they Kovacic is used to they... physicality after playing in the Champions League and reaching the final for no, one of the last three seasons? No, it's not the same. Seasons. It's not the same. Teams attack like you don't think like the intensity no, the is similar. No, definitely not. It's completely different. The the in the Champions League, it, teams are like attacking each other, like trying to go at each other, and like you know, it, it, sure in the away leg they try and be more defensive. But you're, like, you're it, talking about like games it's against like it's, like, it's, it's, it, it's a knockout game. It's not the same. You're in, talking about games against like Burnley, right? But here's what I'll say quickly before we move on to Tottenham. How many of those uh, how many of those teams are really in the Premier League anymore? We say goodbye to yeah, West Brom and Stoke. Not too many of them, but Fulham aren't really going to do that. Wolves, maybe. They might be a pretty physical, uh, right. defensive team. Cardiff. Cardiff, for sure. But they lack quality. I think yeah, all the, our quality I'm just would saying, show. I'm just saying. You're, the, I just wh- think that's not really as big of an issue in the Premier League. I'm, say, I'm, saying, City I'm not saying that those players are going to play Legends. badly against them. I'm going to say you could get an injury that gets you out for two to three months okay, that's, playing that's another, against those that's teams another if you're not built enough in the league. Like, a player, like, the, like, I've seen so many players come to the league and it takes them one, even two years to get adjusted to the league before they actually play well because they need to bulk up. They need to, you know, get on the physical level of the rest of the Premier League because players are paid more in the Premier League than anywhere else in the world and their physical level uh, is the highest of any league, you know. Their technicality and their skill isn't, but, you know, physically they're the best league in the world. And I, I think, I think that, that will, that's going to apply far more to Kepa, the goalkeeper. Than it is going to apply to Kovacic, who's it's not like he's in his early twenties or he's a teenager or something. Like he's twenty four, he's fairly well built. I'll agree with you for like his size. He's not like he's not in the manumatic. Yeah, exactly. He's he might have trouble with with some of these. But I still and... think he will find he will find his niche that he will sort of fit into in in Sarri's system, and he will yeah. be able to have success. Finally, we yeah, didn't Tom we didn't really talk about Tottenham that much the other day. I, we did our usual ghost goal pod thing of just sort of making fun of their lack of transfers and uh, just sort of... Just chewing them away. Uh, just small going, old Tottenham. But Tottenham have finished in the top four for the past three seasons. They challenged for the league in two of those Con- seasons. Congratulations. <laughs> so Is that a trophy? We decided to improve. They, we they, decided to improve our treatment. Get anything? We decided to improve our treatment of Tottenham by bringing in an Arsenal fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we fought to remedy no, the situation. Like, okay. I, I, think the that, I think that... 
just retaining all of their players this season is not going to be enough. Um, signing Harry Kane to a contract extension, signing Deli Ali to a yeah, contract that's, extension. I, I mean, no, I agree. I don't have. Them I think the top that they're going to be a good team. I think that they're going to be in that race for the top four till the end. But um, I think it's going to be really close. You know, I think all those teams. I think every team in the top six is going to have seventy-five or more points this season. I think it's going to be. <sighs> A top heavy league, and they're gonna do they're gonna do well. But that means there's gonna be a lot of crappy teams at the bottom of the league. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think there will again. Be. But I think Tottenham are gonna be in it until you know April maybe and fall off March. But they, I just don't see them if they don't make any signings at the end of this window. And then you know maybe they can make a signing or two in January. Which seems you know they got Lucas Moura last January. Maybe they'll do something similar again this year. But. I'm, I'm, I'm. Daniel Levy is not convincing me right now. Um, I think that they're. They Who look, knows? They may. They look a lot like Arsenal did. They look a lot like Arsenal did. You know, if, you know, during the late 2000s and into the early, you know, uh, 2010s. Um, a lot of promising players. Yeah, a lot of promising players. Like good core, playing attractive, flowing football, but you know, not really winning anything. Not quite stringing it, it together for exactly. games. Really. Confidently challenged for the league, um, but yeah, I think uh, if, if they if they keep it just like this, then I think they might they'll, they'll they'll do well, but they'll fall off. All right, real quick, let's run through your bottom three. Um, yeah, I got Bournemouth finishing in eighteenth. I think that talk about them like mainly because I think uh, your just, other two were Huddersfield and Cardiff. Yeah, which are pretty obvious. I think Andrew, I think had yeah. initially Cardiff and Huddersfield, but then he switched Huddersfield out for. Uh, uh, who was it? I think Born, maybe Bournemouth. No, okay. Watford. He switched them out okay. for Watford. Gotcha. Not yeah, Watford. Player. Watford. I think is going to be right up there too. They're going to be in sixteenth. I think or that's right what, down there. Right down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Bournemouth. I think that you know, as as good as Eddie Howe's been for them, I think that they they spent so much money in the last window and almost went down and just didn't do very well last season and they, there wasn't well, really an improvement. They weren't in a relegation fight. It was like maybe four games to go when they. Yeah, they want a little, they want a little the run half. of form at the end. Everyone down in the bottom half of the table was like at least eligible to get relegated with like I, I, I just five think or six that the teams that have come up are much better than them and have a lot better players and have have had very very good windows. That being, um, you know, Fulham and Wolves, and I think that they're going to take a lot of points away from these uh, smaller teams. So I think I think team uh, teams like Bournemouth are going to struggle against like Wolves and Fulham and not get points that they maybe would have gotten against relegation or teams coming up before. And that's who they really have always thrived on. So I just, I think that they, they didn't almost spend any money this window. You know, they just signed Jefferson Lerma today. Oh, really? Um, I didn't yeah. see that, actually. That's so, an interesting transfer. I like that for them. Yeah. That, no, it's a, it gives a little more bite in midfield. Yeah, he's definitely. Uh, one of my young boys. Yeah. Even though he's like 24, 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's I think good. he's 24. Yeah, he's, he's young. Um, but he, uh, you know, he, he might give them exactly, he might give them a, a, a little boost and maybe they'll get someone else tomorrow but uh, yeah and obviously I have Huddersfield and Cardiff I think those two you know also just horrible transfer windows this Huddersfield have gotten a couple more players but they just sort of they they signed permanent they deals the money for a lot up. of the players they had on loan last right. year to help keep exactly Congolo right they just, uh, Losol the goalkeeper yeah. a couple other players like that we, I mean, the main thing we said about them was that where, where are the goals coming from? Yeah, you know, and no, no one's given me a good answer yet. Right. Well, Cardiff, the goals are you know, coming you, from. You have can, nothing to say about Cardiff. I can, so I can tell you where the goals are coming from. Yeah, they're coming from Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, my winner for the Golden Boot. I'm going to agree with you. 
that he uh, wise man, wise man. He 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 should be scoring a lot of goals, especially having Mkhitaryan. I mean, this guy that he's had a connection with already, like for many seasons in synergy. I think that's going to be underrated. And and uh, quick funny stat: having uh, Ozil and Mkhitaryan and Lacazette all feeding him will be uh, will be funny stat nice. about Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan. Uh, when you guys signed um, Aubameyang in January, everyone was talking about like that connection, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. They played at Dortmund together. They know each other well. They have a great relationship. Right. And someone made the point that like I think total in like three or four years of playing together, they had they, were, they had two total assists to one another. But then when they've they, already but when they played and, yeah. together at Arsenal, it was fine, and like right. that was, it was complete like bullshit. It didn't matter, and they they've set each other up for plenty of goals since then. I, I don't but believe it was, it was I don't funny. I don't believe that at all because I've watched uh, like highlights of Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan, and they've definitely assisted each other more than twice. Like there's so many times so, when so that was bullshit. Yeah, that was complete okay. bullshit. I've okay. seen the highlights, and like there's definitely more than two assists. I don't like, remember looking. Like into just it. think just think about it this way: Mkhitaryan had like he had like twenty like. Almost thirty assists in one season, like, and Aubameyang had like forty goals in that year. Like, you he, he there had to be way more than you know what I mean. Two assists. Mkhitaryan had thirty assists in a yeah, season. in like all competitions. It was that season before before he got signed by United. It was that really? like crazy season he had. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I'll believe you. You might be uh, bullshitting, but you might, I'll believe you. Uh, it was play, in all competitions. Any more to say about Aubameyang? I'm sure. Uh, you, I'm sure you could go for a while about him, but. Yeah, no, I just think that he's he's also his his partnership with Lacazette. I he's going to flat track bully all the bad teams in the Premier League, isn't he? He's going to score you know, how many hat tricks? Three hat tricks? No, I think he's going to score two, four. You, you think he's got a four goal game? No, he's going to have one four goal game and two hat tricks. Okay, all right. <laughs> A lot of goals. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I agree. Um. And uh, but I have my player of the year. This is a pretty obvious one. I think a lot of people have probably have this guy as their player of the year. Um. You know Kevin De Bruyne. He had a he had a pretty good World Cup. I think it was a little disappointing for some people. Um, but he was he was playing in that like uh, withdrawn role in midfield. And then he played until, further up, right? Yeah, and he looked better um, against but, Japan. I think they played him further up, and he yeah. But I think he was also just tired. I mean, he just he carried Man City so you know through through the whole season. And, I don't know, man. They had plenty of good players. <laughs> no, I mean, but he was their you know he was their he was, he was their, their player, sure. So, um, but I think that usually after a se- a player like that has such an awesome season, if they can follow it up again, they usually win Player of the Year. Like you know what I mean, like Conte, Golo Conte. Um, you know, just. It, it seems like a, a worthy winner this year. Should have won it last year. Huh? Um, my young player of the year, I have, uh, this might surprise some people, uh, Diogo Jota. Uh, he's a young 21-year-old uh, Portuguese forward. Um, you know, it's kind of like Place for Wolves. Place for Wolves. Um, he, just, he was just signed. Uh, From Benfica. Yeah, right? I think it was last year, and he scored 17 goals um, in the, as a 20-year-old in the championship. Which is, you know, very good total uh, for a young player like that, and um, he's definitely higher caliber than uh, Wolves. I think eventually, you know, he's going to move on to a bigger team, but for now, I think he's going to be a, a very good player in the Premier League. For now, God bless Lord Jorge Mendes. Yeah, <laughs> for, for sure, uh, bestowing hey, upon Wolves and all this. He, had, he has a great uh, connection with Neves, so it seems like you know that'll be a, a lethal. Combination that's that's a good uh, that's a good pick uh, for the Andrew and I didn't mention a lot of really good young uh, player of the year candidates this year. We, we mentioned Cecilia yeah, ourselves. Yeah, I thought it was a little spicy one. Obviously, Cecilia Young could be good, um, but Neves I think, himself could be. Yeah, Neves. Um, Sane obviously too, but we know about him. Um, yeah, and then my sleeper pick. Um, I was torn between Wolves and Fulham. I think both of them be great, but I I just I just look at Fulham. Wolves aren't eligible. 
Oh, they're not eligible? Wolves aren't eligible. I ruled them out the other day. Andrew tried to pull that, and I was just like, no, you can't have... Like, Wolves have Rui Patricio in goal. Like, right. <laughs> they bought, like, Jao Moutinho. Uh, they have, like you mentioned, Diego Jota. Right. They have tons of very good players. Probably Fulham. one of the best squads, top to bottom, of any team outside yeah. of the top six. And Fulham, Fulham are my pick uh, for sleeper. I think they're going to finish in, you know, in that probably around eighth. Um, eighth wow. to ninth range. Um, I have them being comfortable. Uh, you know, get they just got Chambers on loan. Uh, they've signed you know John Michael Siri, who's I mean a, a high level talent. Barca, Arsenal, and Chelsea were all going after him. That, that gets mentioned every Fulham. time anyone talks about Sarri. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great, uh, yeah, for sure. He was just that. like, he almost went to Barca last right. year. We did it ourselves. I was like, damn um, it, we fell into the trap. Uh, <laughs> Ma- Maxime Marchand. Or both, Le, Le Marchand. Marchand. Both, both from Nice. Um, you know, both good players in Nice's system. And now uh, coming to the Premier League, uh, you know, I think those are both good signings. Alfie Mawson. Who was you know the pick of the bunch from that Swansea team? Um, yeah, you know I, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a great addition for them. Resigning Mitrovic from from Newcastle that's huge. Uh, I think that's gonna be you know he's like a talisman for them. Um, he had something like 14, 13 or fourteen goals in the, the season he was in the Premier the League. Um, no, the, the time he was in the Premier League. Oh, before with Newcastle, yeah. yeah. He just he wasn't a favorite of Rafa Benitez because Benitez prefers a striker that comes back and is a bit more like yeah. But he, and he he played quite well in the World Cup. Um, yeah, he was he was pretty good in the World Cup. Yeah. he probably should have scored a couple more goals. Yeah, he was unlucky to not get a penalty call. I remember when he got uh, rugby tackled by in the uh, in the England game. Uh, no, 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 because no. they didn't play. No, though. not England. Um, who did they, who Switzerland? Was, Switzerland, yeah. Brazil. Oh, games. the Brazil game. Yeah, yeah. it was probably that. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's a good player. He's an out-and-out yeah. out goal scorer. And that's, I mean, when we ask the question of teams like Huddersfield and Cardiff, we're like, where are you getting the goals from? Yeah. The answer for Fulham is they've went out and gotten someone who could potentially, at his best, I think maybe even score 20, 18, 19, something yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. I like, for sure. At the least, you're getting 14, Having 15. Having, uh, you know, Seri and Cessignon um, and, you know, another player, that the last player I'm going to mention, uh, Andre Schuller, um, <sighs> who they got on loan, um, ex-Chelsea. And, you know, all these players... Chelsea Colt legend. Yeah, Never all these players, the league with us. Um, you know, could add up to, to something nice. So I'm going to have them finishing in eighth. Um well, one thing, one question I have for you for Fulham overall before we move on to your, your, your disappointment team. Do you not worry about the step up in quality that they're, they're going to face uh, week to week? Because you go from playing against teams in the championship where you can get away with playing the uh, open attacking style that uh, Jovanovic's side, uh, Slavisa Jovanovic, their manager, li- likes to play a pretty attacking style. And yeah. I mean, you, you, all the players you've listed, like the, the uh, they've got everything they need on paper in certain positions to maintain like a pretty high level of soccer. But when you're playing across from, go for anyone in the top six, like will they still be able to maintain that? Are they going to get too withdrawn and defensive and like sort of an attempt to like counteract that that they lose their attacking? Yeah, uh, style? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that they've got a good manager. They've got a good young side that's hungry and. I just think that they've made all you know some really really good moves. I don't know if it's going to be successful. I mean, some of their players aren't maybe aren't going to be used to the physicality of the league, and, and they might struggle and, and and you know be be dragged into relegation. But I, I really don't think so. I think that they're you know I, I don't think they're going to get dragged into relegation either. I just think eighth is really really like high for them, really yeah. favorable. 
Like, I would go I like twelfth or eleventh. Yeah. Something like that. I think that's far more like of a realistic goal. For I them think, and think, Wolves, to be honest. Yeah. Wolves would probably have more of a chance to get like eighth. But at the same time I could see like tenth or eleventh or twelfth being a good season for them. But yeah, let's get to your uh, your disappointment. Yeah, uh, this was kind of tough. I had a few teams that I thought were disappointing, but uh, that are going to be disappointing. But I, I ended up ended up going with Leicester, who you know obviously lost their talisman in Riyad Mahrez, and you know they've got an aging Vardy. Um, Thirty one now. Yeah, Ihanacho, you know, looks like I don't know if he's going to work out there, and um, you know he needs to have a big season. Damari Gray. But Ianacho looks like someone that needs to go to Turkey for a couple of years and just bang in like twenty five right. goals in Turkey for like Besiktas for like three years, and then get bought back and bought be like someone to be a fully good. refined like yeah. confident professional. Like he just doesn't have the <laughs> confidence, have the confidence right now yet to yeah. go out and believe he's going to score. Yeah, I used every to game. I, I I used to really like him as a player and wanted him on Arsenal for a while, but um, I think his confidence may have just been. Uh, Shattered, not making it at Man City, but we'll see. We'll see how he does this year. Maybe he'll he'll uh, he'll do better. Uh, but but I I just think that they're going to struggle. Um, you know, I think that they're one or two injuries away on defense from, you know, just having a really bad back line. Um, you know, we, we were talking about this before uh, we were recording, but you know they 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 seem to have on paper a decent squad, but I just don't think that they have much depth, and I think that they're going to struggle uh, much like they did last year, and I think they'll you know, end up finishing around 11th or 12th instead of maybe the first, you know, easily in the top seven or eight, which they See, should be. I have them as my surprise team, which okay. I, I think they're, they're going to be in the conversation for, like, the, that last Europa League place. In seventh, yeah. Seventh. Like, that's maybe if, like a lot of people are saying, if Chelsea or United have a complete, just like they just... Meltdown, Meltdown yeah. and finish in 8th or ninth or something. Maybe they could take advantage and finish 6th or something. I still believe uh, that they have the talent to do that. I admit that Mara's going is a huge void that needs to be filled. But I think I'm ready to believe a little bit more in like the likes of Damari Gray and Adrian Silva in midfield. Having more... Uh, having different players and di- in different areas of the pitch take over the uh, creative responsibilities, so it's not just always being fed out to that wing where Mares is. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back and preview this weekend's games. There's uh, a couple of pretty interesting, fi- interesting fixtures that uh, we're going to take a crack at. We'll be right back. School podcast. Uh, I'm Alex here with Javier. Uh, we've got weekend one of Premier League fixtures starting Friday, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the USA, 8 p.m. over in England. Uh, Man United will be hosting Leicester City at Old Trafford. Uh, a similar fixture led to one of the games of the season last year when Arsenal and Leicester opened the season at uh, the Emirates and it ended 4-3. Right. We're hoping for something even like a little bit close to that. You know, we're, we're hoping for United to come out guns blazing, looking to prove everyone wrong. I think I think they're, they're going to be too much to, for a very early, uh, not very fully formed Leicester City to uh, defend against. I think United are going to win 3-1. I think, uh, Andrew has a bit of a tighter contest uh, with a 1-1 draw. Javier, how do you think this one's going to shape out? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a 2-0 win to United. Um, I think that they're 
going to be solid defensively, and Mourinho teams always start well. Um, you know, he's been complaining about the preparation, but yeah, I'm sure I'll have them ready. It, it's unclear whether his uh, <laughs> the World Cup semifinalists and finalists in the squad are going to play. I think. Yeah, not having Pogba will be a blow. But and we're not sure if Lukaku is going to start yet. But right. it's it's kind of up in the air. He, he's he's talked about playing a front three. Oh no, of you have Alexis, to play Alexis Martial, Martial and Rashford and Mata actually. Whoa, is player. you? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's still that should be a front three that's right. still good enough to beat, to beat Leicester, Leicester, but it's it's yeah. a tough opening game for sure. It's sure, not, it's not a game. Yeah, but that should be. I'm a, I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be a fun one. Saturday morning at seven thirty in the morning, Newcastle hosts Tottenham in a repeat fixture from uh, the opening day of last season. Tottenham uh, haven't changed much. Newcastle have changed a, a little bit, and I think are a little bit more readily equipped to. Uh, to not lose 3-1 again, even though I do have them losing this game 3-1. I, I think this this Newcastle team is largely unchanged. There's a couple of significant chancers we talked about in the past that should just be able to fit into uh, Rafa Benitez's pretty like defensive low block. Uh, but I, I think Tottenham's quality is just going to be too much for them at the end. Uh, there won't be any Son in this game. Uh, I think he's still away with, uh, with Korea. South Korea. Yeah. But uh, we'll see if Harry Kane plays. I, I don't think any of the World Cup semifinalists, the England players for Tottenham, are going to be missing. I think they're just going to come right back because the England players took a shorter vacation than everyone else because they took the week off before the World Cup, like right after the Premier League season. So they took that one week and applied it to the, the, the two weeks after the World Cup finished, and that was their three-week holiday. So I expect all of Harry Kane, Deli Ali. Uh, Kieran Trippier, all of and Eric Eric Dyer, all to be back and playing for Tottenham. I have three one. Yeah, I have three one two. Um, that seems to be the uh, common scoreline here. I think Andrew's got two one. Yeah, Andrew has so, two one. Tottenham. Um, I think we all got Tottenham winning, which uh, which yeah, it's usually a good bet at the beginning. Pochettino is also good at getting his team uh, prepared and and getting them to start well. So I have faith in him to do that. The 10 a.m. slate of games starts off, uh, well, they all start at the same time, but we're going to start off with Bournemouth hosting Cardiff, newly promoted Cardiff, uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. Andrew has 2-2, which I think is, it's, 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 a, little, it's a little optimistic. It's a little optimistic, to say How the game's going to go? I have 0-0. Zero, zero. I, th- I, I do think it's going to be a draw, but I and just I- think that the way that Cardiff play, uh, they're a very defensive team. And I think that Bournemouth, um, you know, they might be a little bit cagey to start. You know, obviously they're going to be at home. They're going to try and go uh, big and win. But, um, you know, I think if they, if they win, it's going to be like 1-0. To, uh, but, yeah, what, what do you have, Alex? I just switched my score prediction. <laughs> I, I was pretty high on Bournemouth, and I had them winning 3-1 just to sort of a smack in the face to the promotion, promoted team in their yeah. first game. No, they, they usually, but, they usually uh, do decently their first games. I think Cardiff are pretty happy with having their first game be away at Bournemouth. Right. You know, um, I think a capacity, That's a big game for them. But it's like a capacity crowd of like 14,000. It's one of the, it's the smallest stadium uh, Yeah, it's a nice little welcome to the Premier League. In the Premier League. Yeah. Like they, it won't feel like a big occasion to them. It'll just feel like another game in the league yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah 1-1 one, one. I think it will be a pretty fair scoreline for Cardiff uh, pretty underrated game that I would actually like to talk about a little more is Fulham Crystal Palace also at 10am also at 10am Andrew has Fulham uh, getting a winning start to their life in the Premier League 2-1 uh, I have 2-2 I think it's going to be a high scoring uh, 
it's thrilling game. I think yeah. it might be the game uh, of the weekend. Crystal Palace. Man City uh, I don't know if Max Meyer is going to be fit to be starting. I'm in sure this. he will be. He signed, um, signed for them what like two weeks ago. But like if he's fit, then this should be this should be a fun game. Um, that uh, I have three two Fulham. Um, you know they're my sleeper pick, so I think they're going to win their their home opener here. Um, Craven Cottage is a nifty little stadium. Um, you know, it's even cute. though it's small, it's, so they, uh, it's always a good atmosphere there. So, I think they'll they'll come out uh, roaring, um, and I think they're going to win three two. But that'll be a fun game to watch. I would, I definitely that'll be my ten a.m. game to watch. Um, I think over that. Uh, and that's that's another pretty good welcome to the Premier League. If you don't want to watch the Chelsea game, well, yeah. well, I'm talking about for Fulham for them to come into the Premier League in the first game they play is against a good team in Crystal Palace with. Like definitely, like someone like Wilfred Zaha, they're going to be circling on the team sheet. Like, how are we going to? There's no players like that in the championship, right? But you know, it's a good like taste of what you're going to get week to week in the Premier League. Uh, Huddersfield will host Chelsea at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, Andrew has a uh, Chelsea not getting off to a good start. He has a one-one. Uh, Javier, what do you think of Chelsea's chances in this game? Um, you know, I think that. You guys are going to struggle. One one. I think Andrew. I, I've thought about. I thought about one one, and I. I wrote. I, if Andrew didn't pick one one, I would have picked one one. But t- just to be a little bit different, I. You know, I erred with the uh, on the side of you know maybe sorry gets a a scrappy two one win. Um, you know, and and he had a really good record with Napoli in the last couple seasons uh, in the league. So it's it's possible that you know you know he he didn't necessarily start that well uh at he, Napoli's he first not. year but uh <laughs> he almost got fired <laughs> yeah but you know we'll see i mean if they have hazard in this game then i think they'll or is he not starting i doubt highly that he will start okay. he just got back from his vacation on monday well if you have no william if game, you have no william and no hazard then william, you, you might draw this game william will probably start you'll okay. probably see a front three just uh, of my infinite chelsea wisdom of William Morata, Pedro, midfield three of either Barkley or uh, Loftus Cheek, and then uh, obviously Jorginho and Kante. Kante, right. I think there's no fitness questions, but Kante, he's just Kante. You play him and he does what he does. Uh, then Alonso, Rudiger, even Dada Luiz or Christensen at the other center back position, and then Aspilicueta right back, and then keeper. Kepa will not be ready to play yet, I don't think. I think it's a bit too soon, so they'll probably start Caballero, which is a concern. But that team, I think, is good enough to go to uh, Huddersfield and, and, and win yeah. 3-1. We won 3-0 there last season, not really playing that well. But right. we, if you can string four or five quick one-touch passes together in yeah. their in their You guys will dispatch third, them, I think. You can create enough chances where they make defensive lapses that just give you tap-ins. <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's a potential slip-up game to start out and not easy, but I, I think we'll, we'll come away uh, winners. Uh, Watford will host Brighton Saturday at 10 a.m. Andrew has a 2-2 draw, which I really like for this game. I was going to go 2-2 also. And I, yeah, I don't it really like a to, fun little game. I don't like to pick the same score lines as other, like, other people. It's just not fun for me. So I picked uh, I picked 1-1. Uh, how do you think this game is going to go? At Vicarage Road, Watford Yeah, hosting. I think uh, I have uh, Brighton winning this game. I know that Watford are usually good starters this season, but I think losing a player like Richarlison and, um, you know, I don't really think that they're going to be able to replace him. I think that even though he didn't do that well in the second half of the season, he was still really dangerous, and teams still had to, you know, put a lot of their um, defensive effort into marking him. Yeah. Um, and even though he didn't have that much end product, I think that he'll be good on Everton. I think he'll have more of a chance there to shine, and he won't just be the one player that ever, that they need to mark. There will be other dangerous players on Everton that teams need to mark. So, But I think that Watford might struggle this season, that they're, you know, they're my candidate for... Um, 
you know, being around that drop zone, probably finishing around 16th. I was going to um, say, this is a, a disappointment uh, contender in Watford versus a sleeper contender in right. Brighton. And none of us picked Brighton as our sleeper, but with the business they've done during the window, they've they've certainly got like the potential now to be a bit more outgoing in their in their in their style and they played well at times last season when when they were the more uh, aggressive expansive of the of the two teams on the field. Yeah, you have Brian winning 2-1, I have 1-1 and uh, Andrew has 2-2. But yep. yeah, this is a uh, that's that's an underrated game right there. Wrapping up the Saturday games, Wolves will host Everton at 12:30 p.m. Pretty excited for that game. That's that's an interesting game. one. There's a lot of questions for both teams that people are going to have in Everton again for Wolves. It's a a nice team to host in your in your first game. Everton had a porous away record last season, I think in the previous seasons under uh Komen. Uh so Wolves will be licking their lips at uh, taking the scalp of a, a, a reputable Premier League team. Uh, yeah, team and with. I think that Wolves are my, you know, one of my sleepers. Obviously, you said you can't pick them, but um, they obviously Yota and Mendes and and um, the players that they've picked up and the way that they played in the Championship last year. I think they're going to be a menace this year uh, in the Premier League. And with Everton, I have a lot of questions because um, they lost a lot of players. Um, you know, they brought in Richarlison and Lucas Stigny, like I said, um, uh, you know, as well as bringing in Marco Silva as their manager. But they lost, uh, you know, Fuentes Mori, you know, a center back. They center lost, back position is kind of a worry for them. They They're lost uh, Wayne Logan. Rooney, you know, who yeah. was still a pretty big part of last year. Uh, that David, David Klassen, who, yeah, you know, was was uh, thought that he was going to be good, that, you know, for them, but didn't work out at all, and he's already out the door. Uh, Ashley Williams, who another player who they spent a lot of money on, and really didn't work out um, and just had one good season and just completely dropped off the face of the planet for them and finally Kevin Morales finally got his move out the door um, but he was another he was an, yeah he was another winger option that uh, you know they lost they replaced you know they bought Richarlison to replace him um, but they yeah they lost two center backs and some midfielders um, and you know I'm, I'm, I'm worried for them you know we'll see how they do we'll see if they can transition they do have a good youth system, and they've they've been able to you know players like John Joe Kenny and and they've been able to bring up players like that um, who seem to be plugging holes here and there. Um, but uh, and Tom Davis and and players like that. But we'll see if 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 they can keep it up. But I have um, two one two wolves. Um, I have three two three two. Okay, so yeah. I, I, we're on the same yeah. page here. Where we think it's going to be an, an exciting attacking game. Andrew is far more uh, optimistic for Wolves. He thinks they're going to win two 0 but that may be the uh, the uh, the red half of Liverpool talking with him. So, yeah, that's that's certainly uh, don't don't switch off just because it isn't one of the top six teams playing at twelve thirty on Saturday. That could be a really good game. Side note: I think Everton um, are going to struggle a bit this season. I think they might finish outside of the top ten. Um, I think they might finish, you know, in eleventh or twelfth, uh, and a team like Wolves or Fulham will replace them in the top ten. So, um, yeah, just a little prediction there. Okay, interesting. Sunday starts at Anfield. Liverpool will host West Ham, a team that they have uh, beaten mercilessly for the last couple of fixtures I can remember, these two teams playing. Yeah. Andrew took my favorite scoreline of 4-0. Uh, obviously, he thinks Liverpool will win 4-0 and have a, a opening... Marauding opening day. Yeah, for uh, all their new, their new signings who don't really... Look like they're going to miss the first day. You know, Kate has been playing preseason. Right. Fabinho has been playing preseason. Allison's a goalkeeper. Oh, he can come man. in and play. He's been yeah. there for two weeks. 
Yeah, they've got they've got a good uh, opening game. I have them winning three one. I think West Ham will get at least one. To be yeah, honest. so do I. They have West Ham have really good attacking talent, and Arnautovic is a beast. Um, you know, and I think that they've made some good signings. I think Jack Wilshere will be good for them. Um, I think that. This is a tough one, though, for their midfield. Yeah, it will be, but it'll be a good test. It'll be a good opening game for them, and I think if they can, if they can get a goal or two, um, you know, even if they lose, if they put in a decent, uh, decent performance, they'll they'll be able to get something out of the game, um, you know, positive. So, uh, but I would look for them to see how they, you know, hold up. If they lose four nil, then I'd be pretty worried for them. Um, but three one wouldn't be that bad. No, three one. You know, with it depends a, on the if, man. Yeah, exactly. If it's a close yeah. game where it's like you know one one, or they even go up one nil, and then they can keep it close, and Liverpool get a late flurry, then yeah, then I'll think you know they did okay. But yeah. if they get blown out three nil, and then they score a consolation one nil, then last goal, then yeah, you know it won't be a great start. But um, yeah. yeah, let's move on to uh, same time Sunday morning eight thirty a.m. Southampton will host Burnley. I wouldn't say watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna be watching the Liverpool West Ham game, but I'm surprised uh, you even picked uh, three goals to be scored in this game. To be honest, I think it's doomed to be either a one nil or a one one, maybe a two nil if uh, if uh, one of these teams manages to catch the other on the counter when they yeah, already I have just the lead. think that uh, Burnley, when they have their full squad, they're a little bit better attacking wise than people give them credit for. Um, so I think that they can they could get a couple goals in this Europa League qualifying recently. That yeah, doesn't exactly. worry you. Uh, I don't think so. I think Are you thinking they, the opposite uh, way that they might be like even more like better warmed up to start think, the Premier I, League season? Yeah, and I think that they're always just going to be their goal for the season is going to be you know uh, make sure we stay up and make sure we have a good performance in the league. So I think they're gonna they're gonna come out and they're gonna try and play well in this. In Southampton, I don't know how they're gonna do. Um, they haven't done great in the transfer window, and one of my picks to be relegated. Yeah, they. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not not feeling good for them, so I think they might lose their home opener here. I have one one. Uh, I just don't think either team is going to be overly uh, enthused or really asked to really push themselves to try and win this game. If, they, if the game's evenly balanced, it's an away game for Burnley. Southampton would be happy with a point against a team that finished top eight in the league last season, well, top seven, I guess. So, yeah, I think that 1-1's one, a fair scoreline for both, and they'll both settle for that. Andrew agrees with you. He has Burnley winning 1-0 on the opening day. And finally, the showcase event of the opening Premier League weekend. Arsenal will host Manchester City at the Emirates on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Arsenal have a pretty tough opening to the season. They host Man City, and next week they'll come to Stamford Bridge. That'll be a fun Yeah, one. it's a tough one. It's a, it's a good test for Emery. It's, I'm excited. Yeah, I, we both agree that I think the best time to face this Manchester City team, maybe with a few players right now, still yeah. coming back from uh, the World Cup and, and De Bruyne mainly, that's the main one I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, it's that. It's, this is the best time to face them. Uh, that being said, their their backups didn't look too bad against Chelsea and yeah, the also Shields. Their their, uh, their preparation is you know Pep's known for being having fantastic preparation. So even the players that are there, I I have full uh, confidence that they you know they'll still have their sixty five percent percent possession against us. Um, so we're gonna have to be ready to defend. And I don't know if. Uh, you know, we haven't really played against a team that uh, had more possession than us this preseason. We always dominated possession, so I'm a little bit worried. I hope that Emery, um, you know, um, he has played against Real Madrid and Barcelona, uh, and, you know, he has had been in teams where he's had to play. Uh, it's not done that well against them. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see how, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we both I have 2-2. Two, two, yeah, right? I have 2-2, two, two, and so do you, and... 
I, I, I would obviously love if we could get our a, a home win here, but I don't actually think it's going to happen. Just take it's the just, point, man. Yeah, take, take any point. point. Yeah. If, if any team finishes with two points against Manchester City this season, that's a, that's a successful two games against Manchester definitely, City. Definitely. So, uh, Andrew has the uh, the ideal scoreline of 3-1 in a game like this. Because I'm just saying that because every, every time we were picking games last season... Whenever it was Manchester City versus Team X, Y, or Z from the top six, they like, always won whoever, one, right? whoever got to pick three one first was just just did it because right. like that's usually like even if it didn't happen, it would be like two one three nil something like that, and you felt like you were close. Yeah, but you know I think they fit, beat Tottenham three one twice. They uh, yeah, they, it's it's a good scoreline to have. So. Uh, how, does Lucas Torreira start for Arsenal this weekend, or is yeah. it a bit too soon? I think he's going to start. Wow, I think we're going to have. Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be. Oof, this is this is actually really difficult for me. Gwendozy. <sighs> I think I think Gwendozy starts in the midfield. Wait, really? Yeah, I would. I mean, I don't know. I don't With know. Torreira. I don't know. Yeah, but it would depend. It would be like Gwendozy instead of Ramsey, though. That would mean leaving Ramsey on the yeah, bench. That's what that would mean. So that would be that would mean if that probably mean that Ramsey. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Because he he was he's he was hurt. He had some small injury or something. So um, if he's not fit, then I could see Guendouzi starting with Torreira. Um, but probably Welcome not. to the Premier League. It's probably not going to be <laughs> Guendouzi. Guendouzi's going to be on the bench, and it's going to be um, what age is he again? Xhaka, Torreira, Guendouzi. Yes. Uh, Twenty. Twenty. Wow. So um, fresh. And uh, I think it's going to be Xhaka, Torreira. Um, and then uh, Ozil. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Ozil. Like, you think Emery benches Ozil in the first game of the season? I think he has to play him, right? Especially after everything that's happened. Like, Do you think all four of Aubameyang, Lacazette, Mkhitaryan, and Ozil start this game? I think that's too attacking. Yeah, I agree. I think Lacazette's probably going to start on the Emery's going to make that mistake. And if he does make that mistake, you could probably like appreciate his intent for being so bold with his hacking choices. But right. You're just but asking just to get torn I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to start with Lacazette on the bench. Um, okay. And play uh, Mkhitaryan and Ozil with Aubameyang. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to do the four-two-three-one. So uh, our back four will probably be. I don't know if Monreal's fit right now. He, he was Kolasinac. Kolasinac, I think, had an injury. He's out for six weeks. So who plays left? So back? I think uh, Az Might Niles will, will play left back if. Um, Not great. <laughs> if no, he's he's quite good. No, no, I, I, he's, he's good, ex- but I don't want him starting in the opening game Manchester of the season City. against Manchester City. Uh, probably not. I would rather have him have a few run run of games more in in the team than. But throwing... it'll probably be Monreal. It'll probably okay. be Monreal. Um, but then I think Socrates uh, Mustafi. Socrates Mustafi, which I'm not happy about. Uh, I don't know how good that combination is going to be. Uh, and then probably Hector Bellerin. Uh, but I think Leno and goal right from the right from the off. Licksteiner could start, um, and he kind of gives a calming presence to the defense. So uh, okay. it's possible that we might want him. Uh, but then again, if there's a Leroy Sané. Uh, coming at you. <laughs> Probably want Hector Bellerin starting. Uh, but yeah, I think Torreira, Xhaka in that midfield pivot. Um, the two. Not bad. And then uh, a three of... Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be Mkhitaryan, Ozil, and... Yeah, maybe maybe it could be Mkhitaryan, Ozil, Lacazette in that three. Um, or Lacazette central as a striker and Aubameyang out on like right, the left and wing. Right, Aubameyang on the left wing. Yeah, it could be. It really could be. That's that's really interesting. It's a, it's a, it would be a huge gamble. And if the team sheet comes out on Sunday... And that's the lineup that's in there, and they lose. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's not a great start. Like, you're yeah. immediately getting flashbacks to Wenger. <laughs> from, uh, no, but Wenger would have never done something like that. So, I mean... I'm, that's true. I'm, he, he didn't really risk those, that, no, those kinds of decisions. No, he didn't. So, I'm, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see if he did that. But um, if Ramsey's fit, I assume he'll start in that front three. and Or, like, in that three-man you know, midfield front that are behind or in front of Xhaka and Torreira. You know, I I I don't think that Guendouzi will start. Yeah, yeah that would be a bit too soon. I would say. be a bit too soon. He's, but, he's definitely a promising player, though. I'm, but I'm, I am really excited about him, uh, and you know, I, I definitely am happy about this window. Another big question is Leno or Czech. People are saying, yeah, it's like it's not. Do you pay twenty five million for a goalkeeper and then not start him? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, if it seems weird. To che- me. Czech's apparently been you know a beast in preseason and showed up uh, you know super buff. You've seen the pictures of him. I uh, think he might have just been wearing a small shirt. Probably, probably. <laughs> but you know, hey, I'm here's to hoping that the competition between them is fierce and uh, David Ospina is just off, brings the, the, best off to the side eating his orange slices. Right. Just okay. I'll play in the Carlin Cup. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think a draw will be will be a good result for us. So hopefully we can get get something out of the game. We're gonna sign off in a sec here, uh, but first. I want to plug our fantasy Premier League league that we've got set up. It's a, uh, you can go to the Premier League website, make your team, just make a lineup of players consisting of uh, all these pre-designated salaried players, uh, all on various different price levels. Uh, make your team, look for the Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League, and uh, enter a code that I'm going to post to our Instagram and Twitter pages. It's, I believe it's already up on uh, Twitter, at Ghost Goal Pod. While you're there, give us a follow. Join the Fantasy League. We've uh, met our quota of the same number of teams as we had last season, which was a fun year. Uh, so I'm hoping for a few more before they kick off on Friday. Even if you don't get your team set before this first week of games, jump in for the second one. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like, there's you enough Try pe- and get them set. There, there's enough people in this league who kind of lose interest to, like, like, a little more than halfway through the season and just sort of stop playing that you can kind of... You know, you can catch up that way. So uh, thanks again for Javier, and uh, welcome to the podcast. We're very happy to have you, even if it means we have an, uh, an official Arsenal influence on the pod. I was willing to make that sacrifice uh, for you to be on the pod. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this season. I can't wait for kickoff on Friday. And uh, until next time, see you. <laughs>